Amen. Alrighty. Hey, check this out. One Sunday morning, Marty, check this out. Uh, this pastor noticed that there's this little boy named Johnny, right? And he, he's standing around looking at this large plaque uh, that was hanging up in the church foyer in the sanctuary, okay? And he was staring at that plaque for quite some time, and the pastor decides to walk up beside him and gaze up at the plaque with the little boy, too. And that's when the pastor quietly said to the little boy, he says, good morning, son. And the little boy, Johnny, he says, good morning, pastor. And not taking his eyes off the plaque, the little boy, Johnny, he asked the pastor, he says, pastor, what is this? And the pastor replies, says, well, son, these are all the people who've died in the service. And so soberly, they just stood there. Both of them just continued to soberly look and stare at that plaque. And that's when little Johnny's voice broke the silence and he asked the pastor very quietly, he says, which, which one, sir? The 8.30 service or the 10.45? Okay, I know you're out there. Sometimes it is hard to stay awake in church services, you know what I'm saying? But that's why this microphone is my best friend. I'm here to help you, you know what I'm saying? To keep you awake and alert to learn. But anyway, seriously, folks, as you guys know, uh, there's always a punchline, and this one happens to be this. Did you know the Bible is very clear about this one, folks? The whole planet one day is, is, is going to go through a situation that nobody's going to sleep through this baby, okay? And that situation is called the rapture of the church. We're going to get serviced all right. Uh, we're going to get serviced right out of here. Is that not something to look forward to? Amen, okay? But here's the problem. The reason why it's going to be such an eye-opening experience uh, for other people is because for those who refuse to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, the Bible is clear. They are going to be catapulted in into the seven-year tribulation, okay? And that is not a joke. It is an outpouring of God's wrath upon this wicked and rebellious planet, okay? And, and Jesus said it's gonna be such a horrible, rotten time that it's the worst time in humanity's history and that unless God was merciful and shortened that time frame, nobody on the planet would survive. Now, the good news is we've seen that God's not just a God of wrath, which means he's gonna have the last word on evil and suffering. Is that not good or what? Anybody glad that this planet isn't gonna continue with all this baloney forever? Yes, amen, okay? But he's also a God of love as well. And because he loves you and I, he's given us so many signs. How many does he have to give us to let us know, man, I'm telling you what, folks, we better get motivated. The tribulation is near and the second coming of Jesus Christ at the end of it is therefore rapidly approaching. Therefore, to keep you and I here at sunrise, okay, from experiencing the ultimate bad day of falling asleep and being left behind, we're going to continue in our study called the Fredo Countdown. That's right, you're on the ball. Now, John, where's John? John Gibson is in the house. Where, there he is. Oh, nice trying to hide. Give it up for John. Right on. Next time, try wear camo or something that blends in with the pew. That's a little advice there for you. But uh, no pressure, John. The whole church is depending on you for your interaction. So far, we've already seen the number 10 sign on the final countdown was? Jewish people, that's right. The number 9 sign was? That's right, he's got it. The number uh, 8 sign is? The number seven sign. He's got a number six sign. And that's right. The last two times, John says, give it up for John. Woo! That's right. The rise of apostasy is what we've been seeing. Whew, no pressure. You had no idea that was coming today, did you? But that's right, I'm getting you worked up for Thursday. We're the man truckers. And, and, and anyway, but anyway, that's right. We saw so far, folks, the last two times if you're here, that the Bible says not only is unfortunately the world going to go down the tubes, but the church is going to get down the tubes. And that is happening right now today. As you can see, we've already seen two reasons why. Because the Bible says in the last days, there's going to be a massive flooding of phony baloney believers in the church. And last time if you were here, we saw it's going to be due to a massive flood of greedy believers in the church. The name it and claim it. The blab it and grab it group. The word of faith 
faith movement, which is a lie. And the Bible specifically said that when you see these things, it's an indicator from God. Even people coming into the church with clever lies, with stories they made up to rip the church off of their cash. Do we see that? Yes. <laughs> yes. It's a sign from God. We're in that generation. You better deal with it. It's time to get motivated. We're living in the last days. But that's not all. The third reason why people in the church have abandoned the Christian faith, they have apostatized in the last days, was because we are now experiencing a flood of worldly believers. Okay? Not just phony believers, not just greedy believers, but the Bible is clear. We are going to be flooded with worldly believers. Okay? And folks, what I'm talking about, Lord willing, this Sunday and Lord willing, the following Sunday, it's a two-parter, is just dealing with the issue, the false teachings of what's called the church growth movement. Okay, have you heard of that? It's a movement in the church that's been there for a couple decades. And most people don't realize, even Christians, that this so-called movement of church growth has added growth all right. It's the kind that we don't want. It's the growth that has produced a massive rise of apostasy in the church in the last days, of worldliness. And today, people in the American church are being led astray, listen, by marketing manipulation and by secular business techniques instead of following what the Bible says you need to do to, quote, run a church. And it's producing massive apostasy. We're getting worldlier and worldlier and worldlier by the week. But don't take my word for it. Let's listen to God's. Here's our top priority in the church we need to be reminded of. Okay? And it doesn't have to do with what is being promoted today. Open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Okay? If you find 2 Corinthians, what do you do? If you find 3 Corinthians, what do you do? You chuck it. That's right. It's not the Bible. That's right. First Corinthians chapter one. We're going to read verses 10 through 18. Now, Paul, of course, is talking to the Corinthian church. As you turn there, as we grab the context, he's going to talk about the church is unfortunately divided. Does that ever happen in churches? Right? And so he has to get them back on track, stop getting hung up on these secondary issues, and get back on track. What's the main event? Okay? The most important thing we need to be focused on in the church. Okay? And that's what we want to deal with today as we explode this lie called the church growth movement. But let's take a look at that text. Stalled enough time. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10 says this. Paul says, I appeal to you, brothers. Come on, listen up. He says, in the name of our who? Lord Jesus Christ, Christians, that all you agree with one another, that why? There may be no divisions among you, and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. He says, listen, I've heard what's going on. Can you believe this? He says, my brothers, some from Chloe's household, have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What? He says, what I mean is this. I mean, when are you in the church? Oh, I follow Paul. And another he says, oh, yeah, I follow Apollos. Another says, oh, I follow Cephas or Peter. Okay, another, oh, I'm super spiritual. I follow Christ. He says, hello, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized into the name of Paul? He said, I'm thankful that I did not baptize any of you except for Crispus and Gaius uh, so that none of you could say you were baptized in my name. All right, yeah, technically I, I baptized the household of Stephanus, but beyond that, I, I, I don't remember it. That's not the main event. He said, I don't remember if I baptized anybody else because here's the most important thing. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to what? To preach the gospel. That's the number one thing. And not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Now, very quickly, the Bible is clear, folks. Paul had to address the church again on divisive issues, and he had to remember them. Number one, stop playing favorites in the church, right? Why? Because it causes divisions. 
Okay, yes, every Christian teacher may have a different personality and thus a different teaching style, but that's okay. Don't get hung up on that secondary issue. They're all a gift from God. Enjoy it, right? Enjoy some flavor, okay? And two, we had to remind them to start being united on that which is truly important in life. And that is this, when it comes to preaching the gospel, there is only one methodology. There is only one message, and that is the message of the cross of Jesus Christ. Why? Because through the cross of Jesus Christ and that alone, men might be saved from utter destruction, right? And when you and I as Christians and as the church preach that message, that's when the power of God flows. That's when lives are changed. That's when souls are saved from eternal damnation and hell. Therefore, Paul reminded them, don't get hung up on secondary issues. This is the main thing. This is what people need to hear. This is what we need to be about in the church. And this is what we need to promote. We need to promote and preach the gospel of Christ, the cross of Jesus, right? right? That's what he says. Now here's the problem. We're not doing that anymore. As crazy as this sounds, folks, this is, man, we're not doing this anymore. And I'm telling you, folks, we have been divided in the church, all right, by this movement called the church growth movement. And they've convinced us to not do church, if you will, God's way anymore, but the world's way. And what they say to you and I, if you want to be a successful church, Okay, you have to start using secular business ideals. You have to rely upon slick marketing techniques in order to have any kind of church growth, hence the name church growth movement. It sounds great, but it's poisonous. And what they tell you and I is if we want to grow as a church, and who doesn't want to grow as a church, right? Because that's what defines a successful church is the amount of people that, no, we're going to blow that away. Not in God's eyes. And what they taste, if you want to grow, because everybody wants to grow, then here's what you do. You've got to act like the world. You've got to be like the world. You've got to speak like the world. You've got to dress like the world, look like the world, do business like the world. Why? So the world will like us. Don't you understand? If the world likes us, then they'll stick around and our numbers will go straight through the roof. Isn't that awesome? First of all, we, the Bible says the cross, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing the world. They're not going to like that message. We're not here to make them feel comfortable. Okay, we're not I'm saying be a goober on purpose. But when you preach the cross, it's going to make them feel uncomfortable. But that's not what they're saying. Okay, the Bible says we need to be about the business of preaching Jesus Christ and him crucified so the world can be saved, not sit comfortable, unconvicted in the pew. And yet this is exactly what the church growth movement has convinced the American church in trying to do. Listen, to make lost people feel comfortable in the church just to jack up our attendance numbers and they have convinced us to empty the cross of its power by never speaking about it. All for the sake of numbers. And that leads us to the first point. The first way that you think this is crazy, this whack of what church would ever go on with this. I'm telling you, this is the latest trend. And it's been this way for at least two decades, if not more. And we're paying a horrible price for it. The first way they're getting us to do this, folks, is by focusing backwards. We are now focused only, it seems, on numerical growth at all costs. Instead of spiritual growth, making disciples. But Jesus was clear, what are we supposed to be about the business in the church? Here's what he says, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them. This is as he's getting ready to ascend to the Father. Again, his last words before he leaves. How many guys would say it's probably important? Right? All words from Jesus are important, but this is right before he leaves to the Father. And here's what he says. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Yay! So what do you do while you're still here on earth, church? Therefore, go and make what? Disciples. Pay attention to that word. Of all nations, okay? Not just your local area, everywhere. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And what? 
Teach them to obey everything I have commanded you and the great promise of comfort. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. Okay, and we're not just talking surely right there, even though we are glad you're with us here today. Uh, we're talking about Jesus and that's awesome, right? And folks, we know this passage, I would hope so. And this is the classic one that we like to label as the Great Commission, right? And did you notice what it is? It's the Great Commission. That's an order. It's not the grand suggestion. It's not the great idea to talk about and ponder over a cup of coffee. It's not the thing that we really need to launch a special committee over to launch the feasibility of whether or not we can even venture in this area. It's what? The Great Commission is in order to be obeyed and notice what that order was. Jesus speaking says we are to now go. He's praise God. We don't have to be afraid. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. We have the authority of Jesus Christ through the name and the authority and the power of Jesus Christ. So what do we do? We go out into the world and we make believers. Right? We, we just, no, no, no. We, 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 we go out into all the world and make people who are just making a profession of faith. Faith in what? Faith in the pew, faith in you, faith in a tree, what faith, what, faith what? It's a generic term. No, 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 I know. We, we, we go out to all the world to make professional pew sitters. We've got to, guys, because don't you understand the economic feasibility of this? Because if we didn't have people to fill these pews, I mean, if a wind came through here, they, they would just blow right over and create this horrible domino effect. It'd scratch up the back end. We'd have to file some sort of a, a claim to the insurance. Our, our, our premium would go up, and it's just not right. We've got to have people to sit in the pews. No, what, what, what did he say? Well, no, no, we just got to get out there and just get people to show up on Sunday mornings uh, just so our numbers would go right through the roof. What did he say? He said, get out there and get busy making disciples, right? Now, if you're here on Wednesday nights, we know that that word disciples is from the Greek word methetes, where we get mathematics, a disciplined study, hello, okay? And it means disciplined learners, okay? Yes, we are to go out and teach people how to get saved through Jesus Christ, the cross, and that alone. But after that, Jesus says we need to teach them to grow up spiritually everything that he commanded, right? And so that one verse, that order from Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, tells us that spiritual growth comes first, not just numbers, right? That's what he says right there. But not anymore in the church. I mean, haven't you guys heard? Huh? Haven't you listened to the new gurus out there, the new kids on the block? We are being told by the church growth movement that we need to be only concerned about numerical growth and that at all costs. Who, forget, forget that spiritual growth thing. Don't, don't you guys know how to run a business? Don't you realize if you start talking about them being a sinner and the cross of Jesus Christ, they might leave? That's bad marketing. Here's what you need to do. You got to entertain them, right? That's what you do. You just make them feel good, man. You make them feel comfortable at home, you know, throwing some little worldly stuff, you know, entertainment. Everybody, I mean, this is Vegas, right? And, and, and you throw out some entertainment. Everybody loves a good concert and, and entertainment, right? And you throw out all kinds of entertainment like that stuff and your numbers are going to go through the roof. Woo! Mission accomplished. Yeah, we're a successful church if that's, that's what's being promoted. And you might think that, man, listen, there's no stinking way in the world that a church would get tricked into only focusing on numbers and just to tickle people's ears, just to make them feel comfortable, not convicted, stay away from the cross, don't talk about sin or nothing like that. The, the churches would do that and just entertain the lost in the church. Are you crazy? Well, folks, they've actually, pay attention, they've actually got a new term for it in the American church. It's called theotainment. Listen, theotainment, theos, theos, God, it means God entertainment. That's the new way of, quote, doing church. 
And what they say is if you want massive amounts of people coming to your church, because it's all about numbers, you've got to give them this theotainment. Listen, you have to entertain them with worldly looking leaders who act like the world, who speak like the world, who look like the world, who dress like the world, so the world will feel comfortable when they come, right? And because we all know if they don't feel comfortable when they come, then they might leave and your numbers are going to go down and that's counterproductive. And so my question is, well, what is this new and approved, uh, worldly looking, theotainment leadership look like in the church? Well, thanks for asking, Ron. It works well with my video I'm about to show. Uh, I think it looks like this guy. His name's Ignatius and he's the new, improved youth leader. Don't you want an Ignatian at your church? Let's take a look. My husband and I are taking our first real vacation in six years, and I am so excited. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the students, but sometimes you just need a break, you know? So um, I'm really excited because Ignatius is going to cover my Wednesday nights for me. Ignatius is like the biggest name in student ministry. He's worked with the biggest speakers, biggest worship leaders. He's spoken to like a million kids. He's like the Michael Phelps of student ministry. I'm kind of old-fashioned, and I don't know much about him, but uh, he knows Becky, and he loves Jesus, and that's enough for me. So people ask me, Ignatius, what does it take to be a great youth pastor? Well, my answer is always the same. Xbox 360, a copy of Rock Band, book deal, and uh, there's something else. Um, yes, a moderately priced haircut. I get mine cut at Tony and Guy, uh, 70 bucks, plus highlights. Our ministry's called Flame, and it's based on some verse in the Bible about fire. You know, we want to see our kids on fire for God. I mean, in the middle of this godless culture, we want to drive a stake in the heart of it. I mean, we want our kids burning at the stake. I take my preparation very seriously. I'll spend two or three hours doing something that's called prayer lattes. Prayer lattes is one... Well, I get on an exercise ball. I'll have a latte, non-fat. It's like God's my trainer. And he's stretching my spiritual muscles as well as my physical muscles. Wow, who are my influences? Bono, of course. C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia films. They were great. I, first two are killer. I hope he writes another one. I'm Kelly. Nice to meet you. Uh, this is Carl. He's on our volunteer staff. Hi. Becky told us so much about you. <sighs> All good, I hope. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about your group. Well, we had a lock-in last weekend, and six of our kids made a professional faith. Oh, uh, yeah. We, we had 60. Uh, we're probably going to meet about 20 minutes before the service starts so that we can pray. 20 minutes? You think it'll take that long? <laughs> And you probably want to spend some time with students. Why would I want to do that? Ignatius, and tonight we're going to talk about the God of the universe and how he loves each and every one of you with an unquenchable fire. But before we do that, did anybody bring their Bibles tonight? All right, get them out. Let's get those Bibles out. Put them up over your head. That's it. 
All right, now repeat after me. Say, God's Word, God's word is, living is living and active. And active. It, is powerful. it is powerful. It is more, it is more than, I than I can deal with, deal with at, this at this stage of my life. My life. Good. Put them under your seat. You're not going to need them tonight. I mean, to think that there are kids that don't even know about the Flame website is, wow. But, um, yeah, I want to see them fired up, you know, and engulfed in flames. They are going to be smoldering. I'm going to burn them! <laughs> Yep, you're going to burn them all, right? You're going to burn them straight into hell. Now, I know what you guys are thinking out there, and I've I, I got to get times of cracking here, but um, I, know, I know what you're thinking. Tony and Guy, right? <laughs> yeah, that's where I get my cut. Yeah. No, actually, it's great clips. Her name is Samantha, and I just used a coupon for four ninety nine. Okay, it's so what's going on. But that's what it is. That's really, I've seen you. It freaked me out at first, but now I understand. That's where you get your motivation. You got your little cow cup there in the office, and you're on that rolling ball like this, and this is where you come up with all your sermon. Diaz. Now, folks, let's be honest uh, with what we're dealing with. How many of you guys have ever been to a church service, and that is the kind of leadership that's in that church? Right? Okay. And I'm not talking just a youth pastor with all due respect. I'm talking the senior pastor. Okay, they are all about the business of what? Preaching the cross of Christ so that souls can be saved? I encouraging the church to grow up spiritually, to love God and hate sin? No, they are all about the business of just like that guy, desperately trying to look like the world, speak like the world, act like the world, dress like the world in the church. But folks, I don't know about you, but me personally, if I want to grow up spiritually as a Christian, I do not want a pastor whose uh, model is Bono. I do not want a pastor who resembles this world. I want a pastor who looks and speaks and acts like and behaves like Jesus Christ. I want a pastor that can say with the Apostle Paul, follow me as I follow Jesus Christ. Not follow me as I follow the way of this world. I want a pastor who will pull me out of this wicked world system. And yet this is the new paradigm. So that people will feel comfortable. So they will just sit there in the pew so it can jack up your attendance. Is that wild or what? And folks, you might just think that this is just youth ministries. Okay, maybe sometimes they're going to fall for it. But I'm telling you, folks, even adult ministries across the board in America are falling for this. They are choosing worldly entertainment over the word of God just to jack up the numbers. It's crazy. Let me give you a couple examples. We'll move on. First of all, there's the new drive through church. Huh? Because we're all busy. Hey, who cares? As long as they're there, technically we can add them to the roll. This is crazy. There's a new drive through church in Davenport, Iowa, where services only take five minutes, and you don't even have to get out of your car. Isn't that awesome? And, and just pull up in our parking lot. That's right, says the Reverend Rich Hendricks, who promises some humor in with the offerings, with congregants dressed up like anglers in tune with the fish theme. Huh? Isn't that cool? Oh, in fact, everyone will be given a communion that's delivered in a specially made tackle box and a clean bake cup, because we all know those dirty bake cups really ruin your communion experience. You know what I'm saying? It's, oh, it's so much. And the station will be even set up for an informal church choir, where those who are interested may exit their vehicles and sing along. You don't have to. No pressure because get that number and participants will also get to uh, take home a special gift in the form of brightly colored fish keychains or other nifty accessories do you guys see how cool that is it's a squishy looking fish you, you squish it and its guts come out who doesn't want one of those come on just to keep them coming back just so you can jack it what's that got to do with spiritual growth and hey i'm all into whatever i mean it's humor and we do that here but that's not what's going on 
Okay, it gets even worse as we go. How about the Clown Communion Church? And this is their own word, sassy. I like that word, sassy. A sassy little Episcopal church in New York is not only a clown performing their communion services, but even the congregation is encouraged to dress up as clowns themselves. Looking like a bunch of refugees from Barnum and Bailey Circus, the Reverend Dr. James Herbert Cooper encouraged the parish family to come to church services dressed like clowns with big hats and floppy shoes or some other foolish garb. Take your choice because we just want you to show up to get that number. In fact, he also encouraged those watching on the internet to put on white face paint smile as we worship God and learn about the structure of communion. That's right. How? Well, that's right. It's by being the circus which came to town and to church services on that day. And after the offering is taken, the people respond with their noisemakers. Whee! Whee! All for the sake of numbers. I'll end with this one. How about the porn movie church? The People's Church, formerly known as the First Baptist Church, and that's a whole other trend I don't have time to get into. Don't get, you know, don't want any denomination label. That's bad, that's evil, that's bad marketing. So keep it generic. The First People's Church in Franklin, Tennessee, recently achieved national attention by hosting the special event they called Porn Sunday. Okay, believe it or not, they actually showed an R-rated film entitled Missionary Positions to allegedly help those addicted to pornography. In fact, one of the film supporters said, listen, we can't keep up with the amount of requests to do these Porn Sunday things. So we're doing a National Porn Sunday. That's right. It's a trend across the church. And believe it or not, one of the churches that hosted the event actually said, this is one of the best days ever in church. Folks, I don't know. Maybe I'm just being old-fashioned. Hard line, and maybe I just rolled one too many times in my prayer latte ball. <laughs> but me personally, I don't think that Jesus came all the way from heaven to die a horrible death on the cross just so we can sit around as the church celebrating porn Sundays just to jack up our attendance. Are you kidding me? This is crazy. I don't know, maybe it's just me, but it looks like somewhere along the line, we in the church have gotten off track, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's almost like we bought into some sort of lie that's tricked us into focusing only on numerical growth instead of spiritual growth, and that we now have to entertain people instead of sharing the gospel and teaching them to obey Jesus. If only we knew what that lie was. If only we could figure out why, where this... It's called the church growth movement. And it's all over the American church, folks. It's been that way for a couple decades now. And it's caused a massive growth, all right. Listen, a growth of worldliness and apostasy in the American church, exactly like the Bible said would happen in the last days. We only have time for one more. We'll pick up on the other two, Lord willing, next week. But the second way the church growth movement is helping us produce a massive rise of worldliness and apostasy in the church in the last days is by getting us to focus on cultural music instead of Christ-like music. Now, this is a hot button in the church, okay, but we need to get back to what is music all about, supposed to be in the church according to the Bible. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17 through 20. Therefore, do not be foolish, church, Christian, but understand what the Lord's will is. First of all, don't get drunk on wine. Why? Well, that leads to bad stuff, okay? It leads to debauchery. He says, you want to be filled with something? You want to be inebriated with something? Hey, be inebriated with the, with the Spirit of God. Let the Spirit of God control you. That's what he's talking about. Uh, be filled with the Spirit. And then when you are filled with the Spirit of God, uh, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to who? To the Lord, okay? Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Very key, Okay? And folks, according to our text, the Bible clearly says one of the best things that you and I could ever do with music in the church is to do what with that? We are to praise God with music, right? For Sebastian Bach, the famous composer, he said, listen, the sole purpose of all music is to bring praise to God. 
Okay, and agrees exactly what the Bible says. This is why every singing, you ever wonder why we do as Christians? Okay, this is what we're doing. Every time we gather as the church, we are to sing songs to God, listen, that are God glorifying, okay? That are God honoring, that are God exalting. Why? Because we're so stinking in love with him. We're giving thanks for all he's done for us. We just can't help but sing love songs back to him, right? Not anymore. Our music has been ripped off. Now, before I get to that, I've got to clear the air because usually when you start talking about music and different styles in the church, we get sidetracked real quick. We miss the whole main point. And we start to debate which is better, hymns or contemporary. <laughs> we miss the point, like this guy. Okay, I've shared this before, but pay attention. One day, this old farmer went to the city one weekend, and he attended one of those big city churches. And when he came home, his wife asked him how it was. And the farmer said, well, it, it was good. They did something different though, Tom. They, 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 they sang these praise choruses instead of hymns. His wife said, praise choruses, what are those? He said, oh, they're, they're okay. He said, they're sort of like hymns, but they're only different, said the farmer. And his wife said, well, what's the difference? And the farmer said, well, it's like this. If I were to say to you, Martha, the cows are in the corn, well, that would be a hymn. If on the other hand, I were to say to you, Martha, 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 oh, Martha, 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 the cows, the big cows, the brown cows, the black cows, the white cows, the black and white cows, the cows, the cows, the cows, are in the corn, 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 corn, corn. Now, if I were to repeat the whole thing two or three times, well, that would be a praise chorus. Well, the next weekend, his nephew, a young new Christian from the city, came to visit and attend the local church in that small town. And he went back home and he told his mother and she asked him how it was. And he says, well, it was good, it was good. He said they did something different though. They, they sang these hymns instead of our regular songs. And she said, hymns, what are those? And he said, oh, they're okay. He said, they're sort of like our regular songs, but they're different. And his mom said, well, what's the difference? And the young man said, well, it's like this, mom. He says, if I were to say to you, Martha, the cows are in the corn, well, that would be a regular song. If on the other hand, I were to say to you, oh, Martha, dear Martha, hear thou my cry. Inclinest thine ear to the words of my mouth. Turn thy though whole wondrous ear by and by to the righteous, inimitable, glorious truth. Yea, those cows in glad bovine rebellious delight have broke free their shackles, their warm pins eschewed. Then goaded by minions of darkness and night, they all my mild, chilly wax, sweet corn have chewed. So look at the bright, shiny day by and by, where all foul corruptions of earth are reborn, where no vicious animals make my soul cry, and I no longer see those foul cows in the corn. Then, if I were to sing only verses 1, 3, and 4, and do a key change on the last verse, well, that would be a hymn. <laughs> now, does that sound familiar or what? And I have to say that because we, always, we get sidetracked with the main point. What do we see in our text, guys? The point of Christian music in the church is not one or the other. It's not a hymns issue or a contemporary issue. It's whatever style you sing with, you're supposed to sing from your heart to Jesus about Jesus. As long as it's God glorifying, God honoring, and mentions the name of Jesus Christ, who cares if it's hymns or contemporary, right? Not anymore. We've been getting ripped off, folks, and we need to pay attention. Thanks to a lot of the church growth movement, we're now being told you've got to listen gut all your songs of the name of Jesus Christ and you have to switch to generic terms like he or him. Okay, we've already talked how they're taking the song Amazing Grace and not saying that saved a wretch like me but a person like me because that makes people feel uncomfortable. It lowers their self-esteem. That's the rationale. But they say you have to gut your songs, church, of Jesus Christ specifically and just say he or him. And the, rule, the reason why is this because remember it's all about the numbers. 
Because don't you know? Don't you don't know how to run a business? Aren't you into marketing? The world does not like hearing song after song after song repeatedly about Jesus and God and the Bible. Like, what are you trying to do? Run them off or something? We need to sing songs that they like. We need to sing songs that fits their style and their preferences. And man, you keep that up. You're going to have numbers going through the roof. Isn't that great? Everybody loves a good concert, right? And folks, again, you might think there's no way in the world the church is ever going to fall for this, but I'm telling you, this is yet another latest craze in so-called worship in the church. But my question, I've said this before, is okay, who in the world are you worshiping? What are you worshiping? You, 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 you never mention the name of Jesus Christ. You only say he or him. So who are you worshiping? Who are you talking about? Is that your husband? Is that your boyfriend? Is that your fiance? What's the matter with Jesus Christ? Is his name illegal now in the church? This is the church of Jesus Christ. We're supposed to sing songs about Jesus Christ. What's wrong with Jesus? And me personally, I think I know why this is happening. Not just to aid in this massive rise of apostasy. I really think this is a spiritual warfare issue. Listen. Put yourselves in the shoes of a demon. The last thing you ever want to hear a church singing or a Christian singing is a song that mentions the name of Jesus Christ, right? Why? Because they're not stupid. They know the Bible that there is no other name under heaven by which men might be saved. Listen, and there's no other name under heaven by which the demons must cower, obey, and flee. So gut your worship music of the name of Jesus Christ and switch to terms that make, listen, not only the world feel comfortable in your services, but even the demons. I really think it's a spiritual warfare issue on top of that, okay? And then if that wasn't bad enough, speaking about selling out, there's another new trend in the American church. Listen, we all know that every church in America, basically, by and large, is hurting because of the depressed economy, right? And so we've got to find a way to trim up cash. Now listen, there's a new trend in churches. They're selling out to corporations. I'm not making this up. You're going to see it in just a second. They're selling out to corporations and just to drum up cash, they're caving it and they're putting corporation logos on their building like the Nike symbol and stuff like that, Coca-Cola, so they can be compensated with cash. They're selling out to corporations and it makes you wonder if our songs aren't next. Like this guy shares. Check it out, folks. This could be our future. Uh, I was reading Time Magazine about, it was an article. It was in Time, so I knew it, it was probably true. So I was reading it and it was talking about a lot of churches are selling out to corporations all over the world. Churches selling out to corporations, putting up their stuff in their church. You know, can you imagine outside this beautiful building? That'd be a big Nike swoosh. You know, no. Just pew it. No. That'd be wrong. Your pastor silhouette. It's dumb. Pretty soon, like corporations, I know what they're going to do. They're going to like take our praise and worship songs, our, you know, songs we love in church put their words to our music. That's just going to be horrible. One of my favorites is a... Holiness, holiness is what I long for. Holiness is what I need. What's it going to be now? Krispy Kremes, Krispy Kremes are what I long for. Krispy Kremes are what I need. Krispy Kremes, Krispy Kremes are what I want. To eat, take some dough and form it, add some glaze and warm it, chew it up, transform it. <laughs> oh Lord, oh Lord, give me more. 
then the car companies will get into it, you know. Ford, I lift your name on high. Ford, I love to sing your praises. I'm so glad you're four-wheel drive. I'm so glad you're fuel-injected. My Dodge is an awesome Dodge. It is such a really nice car, and it drives me really, really far. My Dodge is an awesome Dodge. Better is Hyundai than a Ford Better is Hyundai than a Jeep Better is Hyundai than a Chevy Or a Yugo Better is Hyundai Better is Hyundai Better is Hyundai You know what's gonna happen? Yeah, I can't believe it's not butter people. They're gonna catch on. And then it'll get really weird. I can only eat margarine. It's all I can do. Cause I don't like butter or butter substitute. I can only eat margarine. Yeah. Surrounded by some biscuits Or on a piece of bread Or on top of a Cheez-It It's an artificial spread Oh, I can't live without it I eat it on all of my drum And sometimes I just take a spoon And eat it right out of the plastic tub I can only buy bread Yeah I can only buy bread <laughs> Hey, how many of you guys are going to be uh, singing one of those songs on the way home? <laughs> I know you're out there, okay. Now, folks, all kidding aside, uh, I had to say that for a point because as crazy as that is, as humorous as that is, uh, uh, what did he say at the very beginning? Did you catch that? Okay, churches are already selling out to corporations, which means, all kidding aside, folks, those kind of worship songs, because you know, you've got to drum up the cash. It may not be that far away. And can I tell you something, folks? It's already here. Remember the premise of the church growth movement, the lie. All for the sake of numbers, what do you got to do with music? Our music in the church needs to be what the culture likes, not what Christ likes. It needs to be not God-honoring. It needs to be world-honoring. We need to cater our styles in the church, our music, all for the sake of numbers, to uh, reflect their preferences and their likes and their dislikes, including ACDC. What I'm about to share with you is actually during a church worship service, playing ACDC. This is how far it's getting. The world is taking over. Let's take a look. Take it! 
That's all I'm going to show. Check it out yourself, folks. That's actually happening in the church. ACDC. A long ways away from our text, isn't it? I mean, what's next? I mean, where do you draw the line? Where do you stop once you open this up? If that's, how we're, if that's all we're supposed to do, worry about numbers. Make the world feel comfortable. What's next? Where do you draw the line? Metallica? Garth Brooks? Britney Spears? To help get those teenagers in. I mean, seriously, folks, this is really happening. You mean to tell me that it's gotten so bad in the church, we've apostatized so bad in the church that we can't come up with some better songs on our own to make a point or to so-called worship Jesus, and instead we need the help of secular God-hating entities to help us out with our worship music. For those of you who don't know, folks, that song celebrates people's gladness over going to hell. They're on the highway to hell. My friends are going to be there. Woo! In the church! But we are Christians. We are called to worship Jesus Christ with our music. Why? Because he's rescued us from hell. We're not on the highway to hell. We're on the highway to heaven. And that's why our music in the church has to be God-glorifying, God-honoring, God-exalting, and never, ever, ever, ever is ashamed to mention the name of Jesus Christ. Who gives a rip what the world thinks? Who gives a rip if they feel comfortable or not? We are here to worship Jesus Christ, not them. We are to praise his name and give him all the glory, all the honor, and all the honor that he is due at our church services like this guy did, we'll see in closing. How, imagine if we open our services like this about Jesus. Let's take a look. If I had the pleasure of bringing out Christ, this is just how I would do it. It ain't got to be the way you do it. You might not think it's just right, but this is how I would do it. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor to introduce a man who needs no introduction. His credits are too long to list. He has done the impossible time after time. He hailed out of a manger in Bethlehem, Jerusalem, by way of heaven. His mother is still headlining in the Catholic Church today. His daddy is the author of a book that has been on the bestseller list since the beginning of time. He holds the record for the world's greatest fish fry. He fed 5,000 hungry souls with two fish, five loaves of bread. He can walk on water, turn water into wine. No special effects, no camera tricks. He has a headshot on every church fan across the country. Even before the kings of comedy, he was hailed the king of all kings, ruler of the universe, alpha and omega, beginning and the end, the bright and the morning star. Some say he's the rose of Sharon, and some say he's the Prince of Peace. Get up on your feet.
put your hands together and show your love for the second coming of the one and only. God has been good. That's a secular guy. He may be a Christian, but he's doing that at a secular concert. Isn't that how our worship services to Jesus in the church need to be? I mean, it makes you wonder if we really were so united as Christians, lifting up the name of Jesus, when the world does come to our services, how many more? would not get saved right on the spot, right? And instead, we're relying on ACDC singing Highway to Hell. Do you see the flip-flop? Pastor Billy, why? Why is not just the world going down the tubes? Why is the church going down the tubes? Why is it getting so bad? If, if only we knew how we're getting tricked and there's so much worldliness coming in the church, folks, it's called the church growth movement. There's a heresy in the church. We now have to be like the world, act like the world, speak like the world, behave like the world, so the world will like us and stick around just so our numbers will go through the roof. Haven't you heard? That's the new successful church today. But it's given growth all right. It's given a massive growth to worldliness and apostasy in the church of Jesus Christ, exactly like the Bible said would happen when you were living in the last days. The third way the church growth movement is tricking us into doing this, folks, is they've got us now focusing only on fluffy teachings instead of godly teachings. We would never do that. There'd never come a time when the church purposely would gather around themselves teachers that would say stuff like this, learn to be a better you. Ooh, we'll have to get to that next week. Let's go ahead and pray. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But before you go, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today, that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things with you. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the Bible also says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness is death. In other words, when we die, and it's coming for each one of us, we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, but it's going to happen. The Bible says, therefore, since the wages of our sin is death, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and not to heaven. And that's bad enough, but to make matters worse, we don't want to admit this. God already knows. He knows uh, all of our behavior, everything, our thoughts, what we've done, what even we're going to do. He knows it all. He's gone. Even though he already knows this, we don't want to admit this. And so, out of love and mercy, God gave us something called his law or the Ten Commandments. It's kind of like his x-ray into our heart to show us what he already knows, that he is holy and that we are not. And it's this unholiness or sin that separates us from him. Let's take a look at God's x-ray, if you will, his divine law. 
to show us what he already knows. The Ten Commandments, uh, the ninth one says this, you shall not bear false witness. Okay, that's called lying. Okay, and if you've ever told a lie once, which we all have, myself included, the Bible says that makes you a liar. Okay, the, the, another commandment says you shall not steal. Okay, uh, and you might think, well, that's something that everybody does. Well, it doesn't make it right, and it demonstrates what God is trying to show us, that uh, we all have sin, and it's separating us from him. Even if you took a pencil in the third grade from somebody, if you did it without permission, that's stealing. And so now you've become a thief. The Bible says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And how interesting it is and unfortunate that the only name under heaven by which men might be saved, the name Jesus Christ, has now become a common cuss word. The Bible says that God is so holy that even his name is holy. If you've taken the Lord's name in vain and used it as a cuss word or even flippantly, the Bible calls that the sin of blasphemy. And so now you become a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus says if you even look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. And finally, the Bible says uh, you shall not murder and you might think, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? Well, again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred is the same as the sin of murder. The only difference is you pulled the trigger, if you will, in your heart. You wish they were dead. And in God's eyes, it's the same thing in principle. Folks, that's only just a couple of the Ten Commandments. We didn't even go through all of them. But I think you're starting to get the picture. The Bible is correct. We have all fallen short of the glory of God, myself included, and that we are separated from God as a result. And so when our time comes, we're not automatically going to heaven. We are headed for judgment. We are headed for hell. Now let me tell you the good news. The good news is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to save us. Jesus Christ died on the cross. It was the death penalty of its day. He paid in full uh, the price for our sins to be forgiven. Let me give you an analogy. E for instance, even today, we could see that a person could commit a crime. Uh, they, they cannot reverse it. The, the sentence has been passed. The judge has uh, slammed his gavel, and they are ushered off into their jail cell. And in this particular crime, they are going to receive the death penalty. And so they're behind bars just waiting for the time, waiting for the call for them to go and uh, receive the death penalty. But believe it or not, as we know, there is a way that a person can get off a death row. And that is if the one in authority, the governor, would grant them a pardon. Now, they didn't earn it. Uh, they certainly don't deserve it. And there's nothing they could do uh, to earn it because nothing can reverse their crime. Okay? Yet the one in authority has that ability to grant them a pardon. Well, can I tell you something? That's what God has done through Jesus Christ. The cross was the death penalty of the day. God sent his one and only son to die on the cross, to take the death penalty in our place, and that if we would just receive his pardon for all of our sins, God is willing to allow us to get off a death row. He's willing to forgive us completely of all of our sins. That's the good news that I want to share with you. God loves you. The Bible says that God is not willing that anyone should perish, but everyone come to repentance. Won't you, if that's you, call upon the name of Jesus Christ right now? Won't you ask him to...
to forgive you of your sins. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Won't you do that now, wherever you are? Please, take God up on his amazing, loving offer. I'll let you down. Man will let you down. People will let you down. But God never will. He wants to adopt you into his forever family. He loves you. He's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done, past, present, and future. It's amazing. Please, call upon Jesus now. Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church. If there's anything that we can do for you, please don't hesitate to ask. Our number and information will come up here on the screen here shortly. And remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless. Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702-452-8599 or email us at bcrone at getalifemedia.com or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.